Welcome to the Wizards of Dabs podcast, where we interview the creators of various decentralized applications in the Web3 ecosystem. We learn about how they are built and the insights that come from shipping. And we're your co-hosts. I'm Peter. And I'm Bethany. Welcome back to the Wizard of Dabs podcast. This week of a special episode, we will be talking about marble cards and more specifically about the recent incident in which we saw NFTs collide with the Web2 concepts of content rights and intellectual property. Essentially, you know, what are marble cards? A simple explanation for marble cards is that it's a dApp that enables a meta layer of curation. Uh, think of basically, you know, bookmarks on the blockchain where, you know, it's a shared repository where everyone can only bookmark one URL once. So what it does, it takes URLs and users take URLs, right? And basically converts these URLs into NFT trading cards where each card has some generative art and a main image that is taken from the URL that is tokenized. Each card has other details such as the web page's name and as well as the URL itself. For example, if I have a Medium publication, medium.com slash, you know, Metacartel or Wizard of Dabs, right? Uh, something like that. And I tokenize it, turn it and I marble card it, right? Or And I turn it into a marble card. I will get an NFT card with a fun generated background, right? And a main photo of the Medium publication's profile photo, as well as other details. Basically, you know, anyone can claim any URL. And, you know, when they claim a URL, they can then buy these cards after it is put on auction, right? Into the open public. When collected, right, these marble cards, they're basically owned by whoever claimed them. And, you know, people have been claiming plenty of things since the launch of the Marble Cards DAP. Essentially, you know, something really interesting happened of this. Basically, you know, less than a week ago, at least should be from this release of this episode, right? I guess the users of Marble Cards, right, started to actually create Marble Cards of NFT art. NFT art that they didn't own or nor did they create. And, you know, you can imagine the, I guess, the conflict there, right? You know, if I create some art, right, why should, you know, someone else have the rights to them? Why should someone else be able to tokenize them and perhaps even sell them or buy them, right? I guess, you know, the question that was brought into the forefront when, you know, uh, you have a DAT that allows you to create tokens from any URL is really, you know, who owns the rights of that NFT? Let's say, you know, I marble card a piece of art from an artist, right? Who owns the revenue from that collectible, right? Who owns the rights of ownership by default, right? If artists owned content and intellectual property, right, who owns curation and who owns this weird form of bookmarking, right? This is kind of like a weird dilemma and a fun one and a big first for the NFT world, right? And hence, you know, uh, I guess the dramatic, you know, entrance of when NFTs collide with Web2. So essentially to kind of like explore this further and more in depth, we talked to several folks in this episode to explore the perspective and thoughts around this episode, right? I mean to really explore, you know, what happened. Firstly, we talked to Matthew, who runs Community at Sense, right? Uh, he wrote a great blog post on Sense about this. And, you know, we finished the episode off with, you know, some comments and further thoughts from Johan and Matthias, the creators of Marble Cards. We kind of went, you know, uh, I guess, you know, where we took a creative turn with this episode, and I hope you guys like it. To start, we talked to Matthew from Sense.co, He's been following the incident fairly well, and, you know, he wrote a great blog post, so I reached out to him for further thoughts. We had a pretty epic discussion, and this is, I guess, the result of it. Probably to provide some context about, like, why we're actually talking right now. Like, a couple days ago, uh, on Twitter, of course, where all the, like, real-time discussion about crypto, crypto art, and everything kind of lives, uh, Trevor Jones had posted a, a sort of like request for for content regarding artists who've engaged in collaborations, specifically in the crypto art space. And Hakatao, uh, one of the the more prominent crypto artists, posted one of their original like Andy Warhol inspired collaborations. And then user Blue Pastel kind of chimed in right below is like, yo, dude, I just sold that uh, with uh, my marble card that I made of that image. And then Hakata's like, hold the phone. Like, what the F did you just say? <laughs> and then the whole kind of conversation got diverted and spiraled out of control into this, what, what is marble cards? What's going on there? And then exactly what you were talking about uh, regarding like, what's, what is 
an NFT? Like, are we do we own the image, or is it just token based ownership that's at the the heart of like what's going on in that space? And that, the conversation was fascinating to watch unfold. And I mean, from my my perspective, I saw like these two kind of camps emerge. Like, we have camp one where people are and the crypto artists specifically are like, this is a totally new movement. New rules are in order. F your IP law and right. rights and, and everything. <laughs> yeah. With, <laughs> this is, is web-free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which obviously kind of rubbed a lot of other individuals, especially coming from the traditional art space the wrong way. They're like, hold on. Like, we're, we live in the real world. The old laws still apply. Like, I still <laughs> want my IP rights. And it was interesting to see that bright line drawn within this crypto art community, which up until this point has been super lovey-dovey, like everyone's on the same page, like everyone's helping one another. And I think like these sorts of conversations and debates, they just help the whole kind of this like sub-niche level up, get some broader exposure from from other parts of crypto who maybe like on the outside of everything, like looking in, like had not really thought about crypto art or like digital ownership up until like marble cards, this debate kind of like sprung out on everyone. So I thought that was pretty cool. And just to provide that context for why we're actually talking. Yeah. Thank you for that. What are your thoughts? You know, do you, do you, do you think, you know, was a, you know, who's right? Who, which world do you kind of live in? I guess I really enjoyed your recount of it. I think it was like definitely going to be pointing at that for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really identify with one camp or the other. I see the logic of both arguments. What I'm most excited about is the innovation uh, that we hopefully will see in the space, right? So I know right away, Marble Cards, like like props to them, they were super responsive in trying to let everyone know what they were doing. Um, it was really hard to convey what that project is to most people. So they unfortunately had to blacklist a couple projects like Super Rare and OpenSea and stuff. Um, but they had, in another subtweet, thread, they were like, okay, our next main mission is to figure out how we can bake in uh, the URL creator or owner artist uh, Ethereum address data into the metadata. So that like secondary sales, like we can route at least some portion or the entire portion of any sale back to those owner creators, which again, like whatever camp, like these two camps that I described at the heart of both of them, they still dig like the financial aspect that these like digital ownership and NFTs and crypto kind of provision. And I feel like that innovation, if it ever comes around, obviously it doesn't do anything to address the existing IP rights and laws and things like that. But I'm kind of of the mind frame where if there's a solution technically that's developed that satisfies both sides, especially like the one that is, is in that real world old laws to apply camp. Right. I feel like that that innovation would help people kind of forgive the fact that maybe it doesn't do everything to solve traditional like IP law as it applies to digital assets, but it doesn't need to because we're getting paid for everything that's happening. And then like this sort of like new dynamic can emerge and hopefully like new laws or just norms could emerge. So I don't identify with one camp or the other. I just feel like this sort of conversation will help spur on further innovation. And then when people start to dabble and experiment more in the space, they'll have a, a clearer picture of what they should do or shouldn't do. Like, uh, obviously just pulling metadata and making a token without like getting consent from anyone or talking about, uh, talking about that with any of the parties involved is not a good idea. Like doing your, uh, community due diligence is super important, uh, when you're, when you're messing, uh, with, with especially images and, and content that are created and belong to other people. So that's, that's where I stand. What are your thoughts, Peter? I, I guess it's like one of the questions that, you know, really pop out to me is, you know, who owns curation? Yeah, the dumb way to put it and the simple way to put it is it's just like it's bookmarks on the blockchain. Yeah, yeah, that's really what it is. And it's really cool in the, of an idea itself. Curation is scarce on marble cards. Yeah. And it's like, who owns that? Bookmarks on the blockchain. That's that's how I had originally described it when people were talking with me about the project, just because it was such a difficult project to describe for the longest time, like even like the, the co-founders, uh, I think you're going to speak with Johan in a minute. There's like seven different ways that he's explained what Marble Cards is. But again, like bookmarks on the blockchain is the easiest way. And the curatorial value that that could potentially provide. And then what is that value? How can we make sure that the, the curators win in there? 
in that game. Because if you're able as a curator to start routing attention towards like this marble card, which is obviously linked to like the page that it originally marbled, that's a win for the original creator too. So, I mean, if there's a demand for the original creator to take 100% of any value generated through this curation, obviously that doesn't make sense. So, I mean, the debate's going to continue on for a long time. And I think there's, I mean, projects, they're the ones that are able to tweak these sorts of, like the smart contract to route secondary sales a certain percentage to the creators and a certain percentage back to the actual like marbler, right? And it's just, we're going to need to continue experimenting in this space. And I'm excited that that's obviously for sure going to continue after this small little conflagration erupted over on Twitter. Yeah, I really like that idea because it's almost, you know, it's this union of Web2 and Web3, right? And perhaps, you know, Web3 is that uh, actually can extend the business models of Web2 into I guess, through Web3, right? Uh, where, you know, they can actually profit share and, you know, gain share value with each other, ideally, right? Uh, I'm just looking for this sent thread right now that you, from your post. I guess one comment from uh, an artist called Skinny really pops out. And basically, you know, what he or she says, they basically say, you know, how is this different from, you know, how uh, typical websites, you know, monetize traffic from other creations, crypto art or other platforms? I think that's a really good, like, distinction of, like, you know, wait, how are we, you know, being taken, I guess, advantage of, right? And it's like, at least Marvel Cards is transparent about revenues and, you know, how profits is distributed. Yeah, and it makes sort of sense to kind of figure out a way to, you know, do royalties or secondary sales. It, it would, that would be even be a big win. I mean, in the thread, a lot of artists even say, you know, that's a win for them. I mean, they're in the cap of the new age. No, for sure. Like, shout out to Skinny. WG Meets had great commentary. Robness Cyberpop. In his own way, he he published or minted a uh, NFT police marble card over on Super Rare, like mocking the the other kit. That was that was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to oh see God. that. And then MJ Moonbow. I mean, they they all had great points, but like to your point, Skinny really brought that core distinction up. It's like, hey, like Facebook, Google, all these other sites, they monetize the image and like all your data that you save in the open graph already. It's just like, you don't see that revenue ever. It's all just behind the scenes. And no one, I mean, people are upset about that. And like up until now, people have been saying, yeah, Web3, NFTs, F the world, like we're <laughs> taking ownership back. But then the moment when a similar situation arises and like Marble Cards who, like they've stated that they're trying to take that power away from like uh, these huge platforms like Facebook and Google that have totally monopolized like this advertising power and giving it back to like curators to try to help out these other individual players. Like a lot of people are like, no, I don't want that. I want to go back to the the status quo that we had been at least uh, through our own words saying that we hated to begin with. So, I mean, it it just highlights a bunch of uh, hidden assumptions. I think that people still hold on to regardless of like what we're doing in Web3. And I mean, I hope that this, if anything, if nothing else comes of this, just the individuals kind of like reflect on their own assumptions and like think through like, oh, why do I feel so strongly about IP rights when I'm living in this quote unquote new world of creation and uh, just value transfer and things like that. So, I mean, I'm excited. I love that comment from Skinny. I feel like that that is the point that a lot of people need to start reflecting on. But again, like people like Hakatao, Jimmy Eath, uh, Wang Xiang, uh, another collector, like they're on the other side and obviously they want to, they're coming in from a place where they want to protect the creator. And the, especially artists, they have been a segment of the creator communities that have just been totally effed over in the past, right? So they're obviously like on edge and, and really hyper aware of any potential exploitation of their IP rights and work. So, I mean, it, it is, again, totally understandable where they're coming from, but again, a whole reflection needs to happen. So I'm excited to see that. How do you feel about your set pose being Marvel carded? <laughs> I felt, I, you know, I, I felt like that was like appropriate and also hilarious. I read the post and went through all the comments. I was like, I'm going to Marvel card this. And I actually saw someone already did this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, actually, MJ Moonbow, he marbled, or he or she, I'm not sure what the gender, they marbled my, my post. And I, this has happened to me before. So, like, my, my scent profile was marbled, my medium profile has been marbled, a bunch of stuff that, like, 
I went to go marble after the fact and like, oh, someone already marbled this. But like the amazing thing is everyone that previously marbled my profiles and stuff, they like DM me later on. They're like, hey, I got a present for you. Interesting. It's your own profile <laughs> or it's like your own post. MJ Moonbow did the same thing like uh, a couple hours ago. And it's just like a, a really sweet gesture. But again, like it's, um, I, I think if we're a little bit more conscious now that we, we more people know about marble cards, it's like, hey, like we can bookmark our own stuff and we can toss that to other people as just like a gift and like spreading more awareness of our own post, but then also playing into this like larger ecosystem play. It's, it's really cool and fascinating. I know some people would at fir- their first reaction would be, what the F? How can someone do that to my post? It's my post. But again, it's upon further reflection, it's something deeper and it's not a total, it's not negative against you. Actually, it's, it's more positive some. It's, greater it's drawing more attention to that post than would have happened before it's also identifying like true fans right away people that are willing to spend gas and eth to to marble a link like that's that's an amazing gesture right there so there's definitely more positive from that and it is it is funny though when you first at first glance to see something like that it's almost like these tokens are creating new relationships (laughs) to us uh, they're just numbers on the blockchain, right? And metadata. But to us, we perceive them as relationships and meaning. That that sounds really abstract, but you know, like you said, you know, you can identify true fans using that, right? Uh, by seeing that, I wonder, you know, I, that's just kind of like um, on a really high level, you know, what if this is like, you know, the future of social media? It's just like creating meaning and value, right? And then like drawing relationships between people and through this meaning, right? I don't know. Like it's like if I wanted to, let's say, imagine the future of dating was actually like how much money you burnt like on the blockchain, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, on, on Tinder, right? It's like, it's no longer like whether you super like someone, it's like, I'm going to burn like a hundred dollars. That's how much like I want to make a relationship with this person. I mean, it's funny to think about it like that, but like if you look at any of your relationships these days, yeah, or like if even if you look at your parents or any like previous generations, like you could put dollar amounts next to each of them saying like, how much has been invested, spent, like just on a pure dollar basis or whatever currency you want to use in that relationship. It's just no one's ever been able to do that. Whereas like heading forward, you can pretty much very, if you have a lot of digital relationships, which I see that as like a growing trend, like that's not disappearing. It's only going to get more and more stronger, especially as like people start moving and understanding like what's going on in VR, like those sorts of relationships. And important relationships, well, they should probably have like a higher dollar value amount next to them, right? Because, and this is a trend that I've kind of been super stoked to, to think on, is that, well, Web3, it's not just, well, you don't just have to be friends, right? If you're on Twitter or something like that, you have these really cordial relationships and you're really friendly with people, you recognize people, but like, you can't really take the relationship to the next level in terms of like starting a business very easily with one another. Web3, it makes that trivially easy. So you can go from friend to business partner to like co-investor like in in seconds and off like every single stage. You just join the so DAO, as, right? <laughs> it's kind of permissionless, yeah. right? Like um, exactly. there's this new this new project called, you know, Mag NFT, right? Where they're both they're selling, you know, NFT tokenized magazines, right? Where they showcase crypto artists, right? But they also, um, they have their own crypto native ERC20 token where, you know, they actually use it to, uh, broker the collection of NFT artwork, which you can purchase for, I guess, mag NFT tokens, right? Um, and I basically just like, you know, bought the, one of the NFTs that would gave me a claim to token sharing or like, you know, <laughs> airdrop stream tokens for the brokerage, right? And within instantly, you know, the guy reached out and, you know, we basically just formed this really cool relationship of like, oh, well, I was admiring his work. But also I was, you know, sharing in to the upside of this work now. And to your point about marriage, you know, uh, I actually know a, a folk, a, a, a couple, which actually did digitize their marriage on Ethereum. Really? Shout out to Daniel and Nicole. Yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly how they did it, but, you know, they, I remember like them tweet, actually tweeting about it and then they did it for a DAP or something. They, I have come across like a handful of these marriage apps. So what did they actually tokenize? Was it just like the marriage certificate or like, are they uploading all their transactions related to them? Like what, what did they tokenize? I think they really just like tokenize like a signed message with each other or something like that. I mean, it is a social contract anyway. I mean, there's a lot of legal yeah. apparatus like built up around it in every country, but <laughs> that's funny. Okay. 
I have this up. It, you know, it's from uh, Nicole um, Zhu, and you know, they built a marriage registry DAP on Ethereum. <laughs> it's quite fascinating. I've actually come across like you know various other DAPs, like like you know, uh, cemetery. Like it's like death DAPs. It's like someone died. Okay, tokenized. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, like I've come. I think I've come across one of those as well. I think this one's a bit you know more wholesome. <laughs> Um, I, I like the the replies. I wonder what states it is legal to be married to several blockchains at once. The Twitter for the win. That's funny. I mean, anything that can be tokenized or saved on on the blockchain will be. I, I think that sort of brings the conversation back full circle to what's going on with like marble cards and like URLs and things like that. Like, it's so easy to tokenize things these days. And I just feel like more folks need to be prepared for everyone potentially tokenizing everything. Again, like the value, I'm sure you're going to see like a really wide distribution of what becomes valuable and what doesn't. But like that trigger reaction of getting mad at someone copying something, I think people start really, they're going to need to start checking that initial impulse and like just reevaluating like what does it mean to share the image like everyone can see the image but like as long as like token ownership is something that stays like only one person or however many people are based on the number of tokens exist like we'll be able to own it and like that's the core thing and then people can start creating like licensing or like leasing arrangements on top of these things um, and then kind of like get that financial upside that they're hoping for and are obviously scared to miss out in the first place which is like the reason why they have these like initially negative uh, reactions. Marriage on the blockchain. <laughs> Back to marble cards. <laughs> yeah, like it's almost can you even stop it. Like marble cards, they might moderate this, right? But this is <laughs> this is quite you know this is not a contained problem. <laughs> this is you know a very universal one with Web three at scale. How do you even you know counter that? It's like a bit like pirating. It's like that content and data is so free. It's like you know it's just so hard to stop. Even if you have billions of dollars at your will in calling, which, you know, Hollywood does, right? You know, with Web3, you know, anyone can just fork it or create a new tab and, you know, start, you know, curate, allowing people to curate value. And then, you know, just people can openly, you know, price it, you know, and provide, you know, assign a value on the open market, which is a really interesting thing. It's like you can't, it's almost like you can't fork away public preference. That's a super important point. And I mean, I love what you guys over at Meta Cartel are doing, and you're just showing the power of the fork. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're able to, right. to establish like all these DAOs over and over. Like there's an unlimited like possibility vector for all, like everything that you can create. And I'm sure there's going to be a DAO that hits like people's nerves the wrong way. And they'll be like, that shouldn't happen, but like there's no way to stop or contain it. Like even if that particular DAO that, creates that negative reaction like like shuts up shop like someone else can start up one and they just fork it again like it's it's awesome to see but it's also scary and people are i mean i don't know if it's rightful fear uh but it's understandable fear Uh, and again like those sorts of reactions just help to better inform future decisions and whether that future decision will need to have some community aspect where you temper the expectations or let people know what's happening ahead of time or or what have you it just will help make the decisions more informed which is it's like the best that we can hope for in a, a burgeoning new industry um being like like web3 like very general industry but again it's just thinking through these steps and heading forward it, it's awesome it's like how do you create these fair relationships right it's like you said i agree with you you know there's valid points you know Artists get abused quite often, you know, just typically, you know, as with content creators, right? There's IP, you know, rights and laws, you know, for a reason. On the other hand, you know, what about curation? Isn't curation supposed to be free as well? You know, maybe on web free it is, right? And it comes back to, you know, how do we create these synergistic relationships so there's no rent seeking? I mean, this is an interesting thing, right? <laughs> What's the difference between, you know, say, marble carding something, right? And, you know, making money off that, right? Versus, you know, let's say, writing a blog post and linking to someone's work and then making money off that blog post. No, exactly. And these are hard questions and people usually are attracted to what's easiest to spot and people making money like very clearly. It's an easier vector for attack. But 
like to your point of the blog post example, like on Scent right now, people can write about our conversation that we're having right now or write about a particular artwork of another artist, crypto artist, and make money off of that right now, today. And is that a problem? They're directing attention there. I mean, that's possible today. That's what people are doing today. The better projects in the space will see those openings. And like, for example, in the case of Scent, you can invest trivially easy in another creator. Our new smart contract that we're working on will literally make it much easier for anyone anywhere on Web3 through the, the power of the ENS subdomains to invest in any any creator period through their, that like .cent.eth subdomain. And the fans themselves will have an upside if they're able to go and invest earlier. And obviously, like the, the creators will benefit from everyone that's investing in them as a creator to create more. Sort of like what you're doing with the initial time offering, just showing people different routes to monetization potentially. It's just opening people's eyes to what's possible and making sure that people don't burrow their head down like a, a singular rabbit hole and lose focus of like all the other rabbit holes that are like on the field of possibility, right? This is like exactly why I love this moment so much. <laughs> I'm very theatrical, right? Oh, very dramatic. And it's just like when NFTs clash with Web 2, it's like a movie title, right? I can imagine like, you know, uh, Michael J. Fox, you know, it's like explosions. You have to be theatrical because you got to captivate people's attentions and imagination. Like I was laughing when I was like typing that tweet, like mark my words, this is like in a seminal moment in NFT <laughs> <editing> crypto. <laughs> Like, I was giggling to myself. I was like, oh my God, this is like... Fuck me, yeah. <laughs> but it's important to write like that. And like, yeah, of course, there's a little hyperbole there, maybe, but like, not really. I think you and I are, are of quite a similar mind and we realize like the gravity of these changes that are unfolding in front of us, but we do kind of like need to dress it up and goss it up for people that are not in the space to kind of like captivate their attention to enter it. Because like 99.9% of the world still isn't here yet. And we just have so much work ahead of us to, to bring them here. But these sorts of conversations happening over and over on podcast, Twitter, Scent, wherever the conversation is, which is everywhere when it comes to Web3, is just brutally important. People in Web3 still think of a lot of these, you know, uh, really early stage projects such as, you know, let's say, you know, an Arjun, Super Rare, you know, NFC art platforms, right? As, you know, toys. But, you know, in fact, you know, there are artists who are dedicating, you know, who are basically dedicating a large portion of the time towards creating NFC art and making income from it and relying on it quite heavily, right? These toys are like changing how people live their life. And, you know, it's providing an alternative like way to finance themselves and their work. Many of the artists and collectors in the space, you know, aren't originally crypto native. And it's actually, you know, I guess, you know, the NFC art space, right? Or the NFC movement itself has kind of really resonated with this really unique group, right? Like of artists who are perhaps quite technical, you know, they're willing to dig through these things, you know, and yeah, of course, right? You know, they can earn income from it. Why do you think this group of people kind of resonated so well and came into crypto fairly, you know, seamlessly, I guess? crypto artists you're asking about specifically? Yeah, I guess. It's been fascinating to watch uh, as like a top 20 crypto art collector myself over on Super Rare and someone that wasn't involved in the traditional art space previously, but just through my interactions, particularly over on Scent, where we were able to attract just a mass of uh, crypto artists early on, getting to know them, like watching their craft develop, like seeing the process behind all of their work is fascinating from the, the collector's standpoint. I really want to support these artists. I want to see more of their, their creation. So like from a collector's perspective, and I'm not a lone wolf, like there's several others like me who've entered the space. And then from the, all my discussions that I've had and shared through like the Scent Spotlights and podcasts and stuff with these crypto artists, a lot of them were using, were familiar with the tools that they would use to create crypto art anyway. Like they were just doing like illustrations or creating regular graphics and digital mixed media with the, these creator tools. As soon as the route to profitability kind of made itself apparent to them, like, oh, I can tokenize these images and I can make them provably rare and I can sell them on this marketplace that's not too terribly hard to jump onto if I have 
like an extension or a Web3 enabled app. That's cool. Let me try that out. And after one artist tried it out, then the second one kind of onboarded themselves. And then a little community of crypto artists emerged and they were, they're the most helpful community in crypto, I think by like a mile, most positive, optimistic. And they were able to spin up this kind of synergy amongst themselves and crypto artists were wearing multiple hats. They were playing artists, they were playing collector, they were playing curator, they were playing marketer all over the place. And like this really funky, awesome, positive, just aesthetically beautiful community emerged. And amongst creators, they, it's a really awesome on-ramp to come on and start earning crypto right away. And not just earning like trivial amounts of crypto, but you've seen sales like in tens of thousands of dollars. It's been intense for the last two months. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the most perfect onboarding ramps for crypto period, because again, like if there is some sort of friction with installing like MetaMask extension or downloading a Web3 enabled app, like if you have the ability to pretty easily engage with a marketplace where tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars are being exchanged, like people are going to, put up with like that difference or that awkwardness initially to sign up. And then the more people that are signing up, just the conversations and uh, the metaphors that people employ to describe these new tools, it becomes more refined. And it just naturally, the value prop begins to emerge from the mouths of these crypto artists who are really making this money. And the same thing on the surrounding actors, like the collectors and curators and people that are getting excited about this new art movement they're also beginning to profit from this because they're getting more enhanced exposure. Uh, if, like if they're on scent, they're able to get their posts can receive some investment. They're able to get some uh, Ethereum that way. And since these artists are earning like hundreds of ETH, like they're able to splash around more to more people, right? Like you're just literally seeing that ecosystem emerge and develop and uh, expand. The confluence of all those factors are making this like a perfect storm for onboarding, uh, for just continued development, advancement, innovation, and like every like vector that is important within this space, right? I don't think it's ever been so easy to actually, you know, for these NFT art platforms to actually make money by posting, you know, your artwork online. I've been a motion designer, I've been a you know visual designer, I've been a graphic designer before, right? I've posted my work on you know, my animations, you know, or edits, right, or, you know, artwork on every platform you can think of out there. This was the first time, you know, realizing how easy it is was to actually make money off, you know, uh, you know, first just like uploading work, you know, for others to appreciate. Oh, yeah, because you're, you're a super rare artist yourself. You sold a couple of tokens. I am remembering that. I kind of designed for fun, like in my spare time, right? And to me, my, the mental shift, right, is almost like, why would I ever not tokenize it? I've kind of made that mental leap where it doesn't make sense to not tokenize it because any other form would just mean so much downside. Not really tokenizing it and uploading on other platforms, right? I can't make money from other people buying it, you know, straight away, right? I can't wake up one morning and see, oh, someone bought it for like $40, right? That's cool. That's neat. Like, it, you know, afternoons of work. I don't know who really appreciated that work, right? And whereas in Web3, I can actually go and see, oh, cool, this person bought it, right? I recently bought some art off Rarible, right? A new NFC platform. And, you know, the guy actually tracked me down <laughs> to my Telegram. His name is Skipper Burst. Yes. So he's been, you know, creating, um, you know, some really cool um, art where, you know, are 3D models of these like weird things called, you know, dragon balls, right? They're basically really nice, you know, padded, you know, 3D shapes that are just spinning around as a GIF, I guess. And, you know, I bought some and then he just like hit me up out of nowhere. I was like, how did you track me down? I didn't really ask him, <laughs> but I just accepted it. This is work free, right? I was like, wow, that's really cool. And then, you know, I bought some more art off him. I got someone else to buy art off him. Now he's like, we made a deal to be, help him promote his art. <laughs> and I get a cut if we wholesale the rest of it off. I just don't think that's possible through Web2, like at all. It's not, right? I mean, you don't know who your customers really are. Someone else controls that, that ultimate relationship. Like you were mentioning from as a graphic designer, like I think the only real way to make money would be to submit corporation or a company that needs your services. And then you would just be creating for that company. I guess you could do like things in your spare time, but. It's always much more formal, right? And whereas this is, you know, the lines between like casual creation and, you know, sharing and, you know, work is like blurred. It's like, what is it, right? 
Exactly. It's all about people just pursuing what they're passionate about and adding value and being thoughtful. And when you're able to do that, you're going to reap rewards as long as like you're constantly leveling up and trying to, to be better. That sounds like a slog, but when passion is at the heart of those actions, it doesn't feel like work anymore. You hear people talk about this and like all over the place. Oh, just follow what you're passionate about and say, oh yeah, of course. Like, what does that mean? Like, how does that work? Web3 really opens up that possibility for people to experience that all over the world right away if, if they want to. Right now we're seeing artists, they're the, the first group that can really truly experience that in a really trivially easy way by onboarding to these crypto art marketplaces and everything, all the sites like sent that are like revolving around there. But then like there are going to be so many other creators that are coming on board in the future as the new tools emerge and as their communities begin to get to a critical mass on these different platforms and they're starting to pull up other people from their sectors and spaces, right? It's just positioning yourself in the space and saying, like, for folks like you and I, who I think identify more broadly, um, we're not just like attached to a particular space, but just seeing that trend and then trying to optimize for that, I feel like that's what I'm getting ready for because this is nothing. Like we haven't seen anything yet at all. <laughs> I totally agree, right? That's what excites me about DAOs as well. It's like, you know, online communities have driven the entire internet, right? Yet they've never had a real easy way, viable way of like actually pulling money together and coordinating value and assets, right? That's never happened. By default, the, we've actually built very little software for online communities. We have code, we have GitHub, you know, but, you know, we have some, uh, we keep, and maybe like, like meetup.com is like the furthest we've gone in building real software for communities, maybe not online, but maybe a mix in the between, right? And maybe a forum software, but you know, beyond that, we've actually really never gone beyond that, right? We've never, you know, gone into financial services, investments, right? Curation. I mean, you have curation, but the communities don't own that social network, right? Whereas almost like, you know, I bought Skitty's, you know, this guy's art, I guess, you know, and we own that uh, social relationship. It was a peer to peer transfer of value, right? And it just, that's how you track me down. I watched this recent video, right? last year by Mark Andreessen. And he basically just like said, we barely got started with the internet. It's like, you know, we only recently in the last decade, have we really properly connected everyone online. Like we only barely just got like communication down. If you want to go back to like the early 20th century, everyone has a phone now, but the phones are like those big bricks and you have to, they're rotor phones and you're like, super slow and like people haven't really realized how to use them or make them more wieldy and easier to use and they haven't really figured out if you have this group of people connected what can you do next just by default how lame is web 2 it's like a photo sharing app then this app that you know you can like create entire economies of it doesn't even compare <laughs> if you kind of think of it that way web 2 is that's kids play for sure. And I mean, this the build out and development of community in this space, especially what you're doing with DAOs, which I'm super excited about. All the, the latent capital that could be pooled in these like really informal arrangements of people, like regardless of where they're geographically located and centering around their interests, it's crazy. Like being a part of like the earlier, like DAO Saka, I keep going back to that as an awesome example. Oh my God, you know about that. Yes. Dude, of course. I get made fun of that. Within Medicato. Someone that, that's been in crypto art for a minute, like that was exciting. Pooling capital and then using that capital to create this commissioned work, which was sold on known origin, which was the profits were distributed, of course, amongst the, the artists first, but then the, the investors second. And we all made a profit. 22%. Yeah, it's trivial. I mean, it could seem like children's play to other people, but that is momentous. Again, like, mark my words, that is a moment that will go down in history and whatnot. We're coming. <laughs> but then like Rocket Bank is coming over here, uh, coming up and having the LPs onboarded so that like we can start collateralizing the NFTs, like seeing if that works or if that's like super early or whatnot. I'm happy to be an LP in, in that project as well. The community arrangements that Web3 is going to provision is awesome. And again, like this is where it's at in the future. You can sign up to TikTok and like have your fun like sitting on the toilet or whatever. But like if you really want to make some money, come over here. 
sign up to a DAO, like be an LP or like whatever, like start throwing your thoughts out there and let people in the space pick those thoughts up and make something and then invite you on board to give you a firsthand glimpse. It's been really fun talking to you about this. We should actually do this some other time. For now, I think we're running a bit out of time, but, you know, went through plenty, right? And I think, you know, this is really cool to kind of share, I guess, with others, right? I'm really excited to hear, you know, what other people think, just hoping to add to the conversation. It was awesome to chat with you. We definitely need to do this again. It's all about what other people start talking about from this conversation, turning it into something bigger. Super stoked to hear that. Right. I hope you enjoyed that discussion. I didn't actually intend for the section with Matthew to actually, you know, become the main piece of the episode, but, you know, I thought it was really fun, you know, and I think we explored a lot of the unique concepts uh, around this uh, unique incident. Regardless, you know, I still hit up, you know, I guess the creators of Marble Cards, uh, Matthias and Johan, essentially, right, to get their thoughts on what they think about this, right? See what's next. Let's just, like, cut into the next segment. So really the problem here, right, uh, is that, you know, artists, you know, have the art and you know, it's being tokenized and being sold, right, I guess, uh, by people uh, other than them. It's how we've described it, right, when NFT meets Web2, because mainly in Web2, it's all that content. It's about IP rights, right? Uh, Web2 is the internet of data, uh, content, and IP, right? Whereas Web3, you know, it's about value. It's like, who owns the curation? It's like the artist created the art, but, you know, it's really this curation lay on top, right? But the fact that, you know, someone's making money directly off that, you know, in a more obvious and maybe discreet manner, right? It kind of poses a philosophical question, right? That I guess, you know, has a uh, NFC art space wide awake. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it, it, it's interesting that it's so polarized also because we have one, one side that are like, just go ahead, tokenize my art. I, I love it because I get exposure and they are tokenize their art themselves and they use it for giveaways and someone can sell it, et cetera. Uh, but I, we totally understand that when someone new has never heard of, of Marble cards before, and they hear on Twitter that somebody, I, I just sold your, I just sold something <laughs> your, Yeah, I just sold your And they don't know you, what it is. Crazy. I mean, of course, there is a re- reaction to that. Uh, but, but we also think that if we can get this right, some kind of attribution, it's also great for, for the platform as a well. whole. So where is it? Uh, we, we need to mention here that the art is never sold because what is sold is actually NFT. The NFT is saying that this is the only NFT for this specific URL on the platform. The owner of that owns the artwork and the... Uh, the generative, the, mar- the marble art. Yeah, the marble art. Yeah, the marble artwork, the generative artwork. But it doesn't own the open graph image. It just shows in the same way as it does on Twitter or Facebook or anything else. So it's the artwork is never sold. It's the link on marble platform that is sold. And so it's, it's like a meta layer on internet. But isn't that the fascinating thing? It's such a subtle difference between, you know, saying I tokenized your artwork, right? Or your NFC artwork, just actually just straight up tokenizing someone's artwork, right? And selling as it is. But the fact that, you know, you frame, you know, the, I guess the, to- the meta layer of marble cards, right? as a curation layout, right? And as, you know, a, a collection. What, what happens is you frame, you're not even framing the original source of the art. In this case, you're framing the OpenSea page of the NFT. Right. <laughs> yes, that's even, yes, correct. Again, it is subtle. Like we have done a lot of legal work before we even started building this with a bunch of different lawyers. And so we're doing this because we really, we really feel that there is something, if we can get artists involved and they feel that they get their fair share and they can stand behind this. We think our offering to everyone is just so much more powerful as well. So. It makes sense, right? Because, you know, uh, I would say that, you know, while you can make a really strong argument for that, you know, curation is its own property, right? You know, for example, if I if you have some art and I write a blog post about it and I link to it in my, as a URL, right? Aren't I making, and I make money off that blog post, doesn't mean, you know, I'm making money off your work. What is the difference between you know, me tokenizing something of your work and then selling it? This is very new. So someone, someone posted on internet, it's like, uh, this is new. And some people react like, I love it. And some people, I hate it. It's, it's because it's different. And, and it's hard. It's not within the normal bodies of what we're used to. We, we have Facebook making money from LinkedIn. We have Google 
making money from LinkedIn. We have Pinterest making money from images. I mean, Pinterest is the most extreme one because they have, they even bypass normal copyright stuff. They just upload everything there. And so so it, uh, it, in this case, it's like we, we are trying to use the existing standards like Open Graph. And if any artist is not interested in getting more of the artwork marbled, then they can reach out to us and we have a blacklist. And, and now until we find a way where more artists are happy, we have temporarily blocked those parts of OpenSea. However, we do now have many artists that are angry because we have blocked because they want to marble their stuff. So it's like, it's, it's a hard line. The beautiful thing about this is that it's almost like we've stumbled upon a business model extension to Web2. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we discussed it earlier. So if we could get this attribution layer in place where automatically if a card is sold on the secondary market, a share of the sales price goes to the source or whatever you want to call it, then potentially this could be a revenue stream for something like Wikipedia, for example, because Wikipedia cards obviously are very valuable because uh, like a original source of something like say Bitcoin or a person or whatever. I guess, you know, uh, what's next for mobile cards? Our main focus now outside of this, uh, because this we, we will spend a lot of resources on this, is what we call the arena, which is basically the curation the curation layer where cards battle each other by getting votes from players. And when you vote, you get rewarded. If your cards do well, you get rewarded. So that's where we're focusing. Uh, there's a lot of work left to do to make that something that is understandable for people, because it's also a brand new company. But there as well, we've had artists reach out to us and say, oh my God, my, my art is number one in the, the best cards arena. And that is awesome. Like, you're getting all this exposure. So. And just say in different words, it's basically the arena is like a Reddit where you have like a ranking of the cards or the actual URLs. And how you rank them is different compared to Reddit and other platforms. So you rank them based on a Tinder like workflow where you choose what cards you think is hot and those who vote earn crypto for voting because you are putting work into place and those who has the good cards that plays well in the arena they earn crypto as well so it's like uh, building a platform for even non-crypto people so our goal is to reach out to non-crypto people that could use this as a way into the crypto world where people can use time to earn money and then they could based on that experience start exploring more stuff uh, within the the crypto space and then the links within our platform of course they go out to artists they go out to different dApps like we have right now so the idea is to go to all the crypto platforms of course everything is the whole internet bookmark i guess you know everything I actually like when I was on, I was on Marble yesterday, right? And I actually searched Medicartel and, you know, someone actually tokenized OpenSea market of like the uh, conference tickets we had like last year. And I was like, that I had the thought where I was like, you know, no one would in, in about like a few years, no one's really going to care about what comes up when you Google your own name, you know, anymore. It's really like, have you been tokenized by anyone else? Right. How early in, how early were you marbled? Right. Or have you been marbled? Exactly. Right. That's like, you know, even more meaningful. But I think I think in that sense, like when 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 Google started, when they started putting ads next to links, I think that was a controversy too. And and so I think that it's whenever you do these bigger steps in in technology development, there are people who like just love it and people who don't. And and for us, even though, and just really want to point out, even though we think that what we know that legal is on our side. We do want to find a way to get the other artists on board. And that's why we are looking into this. We will probably call it the crypto graph standard or something. And the idea there is to add a metadata to each URL so they could have like information regarding that. And anyone who wants to tip that artist or something can use that layer. ETH addresses, basically. You're doing some moderation right now, but do you think you'll ever scale up? It'll work at scale, right? It's a good, it's a good problem, right? <laughs> to have, <but laughs> I mean, we're not that we're not that worried. One, we're not in a hurry, and we beautiful thing for us is a lot of the things we are not that transaction heavy. You know, you marble the card, but most other things are off chain. So we think we can until scalability in place, we can continue on that path and try to do as little 
on-chain as possible. So we're not really that worried about that, and we hope ETH will continue to evolve. So yeah, it's not our main headache, I would say. Just to keep it really short and nice, I guess, you know, do you have any final thoughts, right? Around the uh, you know this landmark moment, I, I think it is. You know, I, I just talked to Matthew; he thinks it is. I think that we we need to point out that the artist in the artist series uh, right now. I think the bids are up to eight point eight is the highest one, I think. Yeah, but in, in total, the bids are uh, around twenty ETH, almost twenty ETH, and that is hundred percent going to the artist minus the open fees. So. If we would have been all bad and stuff like that, then we would have said like, ah, we want to have a big cut of that. It, it's like we really did this because we love artists and we wanted to use our platform to promote the artist. And now the artist is getting almost 20 ETH based on what we did past week. Of course, it's been hard for us to try to talk to everyone, but I think that we have many artists that are super happy on based on the platform. And then... We have heard many people or some people that are not happy. And then we, we try to take that feedback and try to find a way to move forward to get all crypto community together. We talked to, to most of the artists who were skeptical and, you know, they're positive that we will, will go in, in this direction. So yeah, we're excited to, to explore. Absolutely. Exciting times. Thank you for just like, you know, uh, jumping on real quick. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I hope that. If anyone has questions, they can jump on our Discord and ask us questions. We are happy to try to help anyone and other artists who want to have a part of this. We want to find ways to collaborate. So we want to make friends, not enemies, right? So please talk to us. Yeah. And again, if anybody does not want to be Marble, then yeah, just reach out to us as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed what you listened to and are interested in supporting this podcast, then please follow us on Twitter at Wizard of Dabs. The show notes will be on our website, and if you want to continue the conversation, join our Telegram group. All links will be in the episode description. Thanks for listening.